one. Boom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, join us today for an insightful conversation where we explore the dynamic intersection of AI, machine learning, and entrepreneurship. Let's get this one started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Hi, Business Bros. Today we have a fascinating guest on the show. He's the mastermind behind Locus. How do you say that, by the way? Locusive. Locusive. There you go. Yes, <laughs> so he's the mastermind behind Locusive, which is a company that's changing the game by using AI machine learning and uh, to transform businesses. In this episode, we're going to dive into his journey of using AI to enhance business operations and outcomes. Get ready for an enlightening conversation about the future of AI and entrepreneurship. So whether you're a business owner curious about AI's potential or an AI enthusiast seeking some practical insight, uh, this episode promises to give you some valuable takeaways. So let's welcome to the show, Mr. Shanif Dahani. Da, sorry, Danani. All right, Shanif, thank you for coming on the program today, man. Dude, it's great to be here. I love this so far. Lots of energy. Thanks for having me. That's it, man. Here to, we're here to have some fun. Let's start off with the first question. Uh, I always ask uh, everybody who comes on the show is here to promote something. They're here to get their business out to the general public in some way, fame, form, or fashion. What is it that you do, my friend? Yeah, we are basically working with some companies to create an AI assistant to help their customers help themselves. So it's just going to sit right in your app or your website. Customers will be able to ask questions about it. And unlike chatbots like today, it's going to be able to answer their questions by looking at your databases and looking at your data sources and providing them information that they need without having to call somebody. So that's Ooh, what we're up to. That sounds like you're hiring somebody to work for you 24-7 and not really having to pay them anything. I like that. Who's the target audience here? Who can best utilize a service like this? I appreciate that. That's a lot of what our customers say. Hey, look, we've got an assistant who's always on 24-7. Most of our customers are software companies. So they've either created some sort of app or a website um, that usually is a little bit more complicated. So maybe enterprise software. And they're working with us to be able to embed this assistant into their apps. So mostly software, but we've got a couple of other services, businesses who put us on their website and a couple of other folks as well. But I would say software all the way. All right, dude, you got to be some sort of a genius, I guess. Uh, that's kind of the brand in today's world. People using AI, they're like super smart people. They went to college for a number of years, uh, and that's why you can work with AI, right? I mean, you have to be a genius to work with AI. I'm just playing. Um, what was your educational <laughs> journey like? Like, what's your background uh, in, in to, to get you to a position where you can actually talk about AI with confidence and kind of help, help uh, business owners take that leap when they're maybe unsure of what they're getting into. Dude, I, I appreciate that. I've been working long enough where sort of, I, I forgot about school, but I did go to school for uh, computer science and data science. So that was my background. But then afterwards, I've been working in the, in the software and AI space for 25 years now. So software for about 25 years and AI for about 10. So a lot of it 
is just practice, like on the job training, on the job practice, you know, creating new things and seeing what works. Um, but formally, my background is in software development and data science, which kind of gave me a good foundation for being able to build AI products today. Did you know, like, right out of high school that that's what you wanted to do? Like, you knew, I, that's it, I'm going to work on computers, I've been, I've been playing with this stuff, I've been coding stuff, I've been coding video games and security things for my peeps here at school. Like, did you know that up front or did it kind of stumble into it? I I remember when I first wrote my first piece of code, actually, I was 14. And so it was in middle school. And I was like, man, this is awesome. You can just type up stuff and it shows up on a screen. So I've, I've been sort of enamored with the world of computer science for a while now. So I did know out of out of high school, that's what I wanted. But, you know, I've worked with engineers who maybe didn't know that until they were graduated or even they were started in a, in a new industry and they decided to move to software. For me, it's been a long time. I've always loved uh, working with computers. But uh, it's not like that for everybody. Let me ask you about your venture into entrepreneurship. Um, you know, for a lot of people, you have the skill set that you have. You could have gone and worked for a company directly and made a great career out of it. Why start your own company? There's so many risks that you go into. There's there's no guaranteed path for success, and yet you still took that leap of faith. Yeah, for what it's worth, I actually graduated school and then did go and work for a big company. And it was fine. You know, it was okay. But I, I very quickly realized, hey, look, I actually love being able to build something, have people use it and even better make money out of it. So very quickly, I decided, hey, look, like, I don't want to work for a big company. Not very quickly, maybe four or five years into it. I was like, man, I, I think I'm kind of done with this. Let's go figure out how to start a business. So uh I would not recommend doing this, but I decided to go to business school because I thought, hey, maybe it'll help me start a business. In reality, maybe, maybe not. But I did start a business in business school, and it was doing, you know, mobile advertising when phone mobile phones were first coming out, and we did pretty well there. And you know, we eventually sold the company to Twitter, and I was like, man, entrepreneurship's cool. Let's just keep doing this. So I was hooked, and I've been sort of trying to get into that and continue to do more of that ever since. Hey, dude, selling your company, first and foremost, that's a huge success. Most people don't build a company and have an exit at all. Their exit is I turn the lights off, I close the doors, and I'm done. It's not necessarily somebody buys them out. So kudos to you on, on that front. If you were to give advice to somebody who's starting a business today, um, especially with the thought of, you know, I built a business where I can exit, maybe they want to have an exit in mind, or maybe they're like most people, they start a business not having a clue of what an exit strategy even is or what to implement. What advice would you give to somebody getting started today? Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, for what it's worth, after I built that business, I started another business and we had to shut down. So I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. Um, you would think, hey, like after you started your first one, you should probably go on to do another one that exits well. Doesn't always work that way. So here's what I would, you know, I've started my third business now and here's what I'm doing based on what I've learned. First and foremost, I believe you really got to enjoy the journey. You really have to love either the problem that you're solving or what you're doing or the, or the customers you're working with. You really have to care about that because building a business is a very long-term, very, like you said, it's a grueling thing. It can take a lot of uh, things away from you. So first and foremost, find something that you love about what you're doing and focus on that and latch onto that because it's going to get you through the tough times. The second thing I've learned is find a problem that's worth solving that enough people are having that they're going to pay you to solve and really fall in love with the problem. You know, I'm, I'm a CS and programmer guy. For me, I love technology. And the problem when, when I built a company just around technology was it wasn't solving a real problem. So we went out of business. So find a problem that you really like. 
and then just keep at it, man. Like grinding away, persevering, continuing along is really the only way to keep going and the only way to succeed. I mean, I could probably talk your ear off. Those are the top three things that come to mind as you ask me that question, though. I've always heard that uh, success is a poor teacher. My very first business was a computer repair company. And uh, I dropped out of college because it was doing well. Then my brother kind of got his heart broken. He was kind of the computer guy, really. Uh, and he joined the Navy and he left. I had to shut this business down. And that's when I realized I wasn't doing as good as I thought I was. I had employees that loved to work with me, mainly because they got paid and I didn't pay Uncle Sam or, you know, the state of California. Uh, I didn't, I had, I got locked into contracts that I personally signed for versus my corporation. A lot of lessons that I learned as I was crashing and burning on that one. Um, but those mistakes kind of uh, gave me a lot of experience going forward for the next ventures that I went on. I had that experience. I knew what mistakes I didn't, I, I didn't want to make again and how to kind of uh, protect myself from those. What were some of those mistakes you've made? You've had success and you've had failure. What were some of the lessons you learned from the mistakes you've made? You are absolutely right. Failure will teach you a lot. You know, I've, I'll tell you some of the mistakes I made that I'm really working hard not to make right now with my new business. Uh, the first one is kind of what I mentioned earlier, which is find like, don't just go into it, building something that you think is cool, really focus on finding a problem. And this is particularly true for software companies like mine, find a problem that enough people are having that you can solve with technology. So the biggest thing is building a business. And the only reason to do that is because you think you can solve somebody's problem in a way that they're going to pay you. So first and foremost, find a problem, start with the problem. Don't start with the technology. A couple of other interesting lessons I've learned is it's really important to have a diverse team, especially if you're building software like I am. You know, I'm a programmer and a data scientist, but I have never really sold to enterprises before, at least not until my last company. And so it's important for me to have somebody who's able to sell um, or even able to market to enterprises. That's really important. Having a diverse team allows you to cover more bases, which increases your chances of success. Um, another thing that I've learned is be careful if you raise money too early. That was another problem that we had with my last company. We raised money too early, and because of that, it put us in a bit of a vice. And so we had to make decisions that were less optimal than, than what we had intended. Um, don't scale before you find product market fit. You know, Understand that distribution is more important than product. Uh, there's so many of these things that I could sort of um, spout out, but really it all comes down to one, take your time to find the right problem. Find a few folks who can help you solve that problem in a few different ways. Solve that problem small, figure out what works, and then scale it, if I had to really summarize it. I don't know if uh, if you're still there or not, but I think, eh, there we go. Oh, man. I you know what I might not be able to hear you anymore. I wonder if did that's you, on me. Did you just send your, uh, your AI boss to like to, to to mess with me, dude? Because I just had a little bit of technical difficulty there, man. Sorry about that. No, it's dude, all no good. Worries. We're back. We're rocking and rolling. Thanks for uh, rolling with the punches here with me. I mean, you you as a as a tech, I definitely know when things get messed up. Uh, but you kind of kept going. Appreciate that, dude. Uh, give me give me the the short of it real quick because I missed the last couple the last little bit. There. Yeah. If I, you know, I was going to say right at the end, if I had to summarize it, it's first find a problem that actually, that people are actually having. Second, find a few folks who want to work with you to solve that problem who are, who have different skill sets than you. Third, solve that problem for a few handful of customers before you worry about scaling. And then once you've got that, 
go and scale. You know, don't do things out of order because it's going to get you. So those are the sort of the four points that I would really focus on in the early days. Earlier, you said you you your second business you had a you you made a mistake and you failed mainly because you went into tech without actually solving a problem. And I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that that kind of fall into that type of mistake as well, where they have this great idea and they spend a lot of time researching and investing into this idea, but never actually do any market research, never go get a customer, never have a case study. And then they wonder why it didn't work because they thought it was the greatest idea in the world, but they didn't test the market. Um, when you're talking about that, you know, in your, in your summary here where you're saying, look, if, see, identify a problem, go try to solve it for some people and then build that business. When it comes especially to like SaaS companies and software companies, they're literally doing that, right? They're building something really quick and then testing it with customers and then building upon that feedback. It, it, that's kind of the best way to, to build something as far as long-term. You're going to implement more and more things, but at least in the short term, you're solving a problem and identifying if you even have a market, right? That, that's how you should do it. Now, most startup, most first-time founders don't actually do it that way. And this is one of the mistakes I made. I went and I just built a cool technology that I thought, hey, if I build this, of course, people are going to come and find it. For, for reference, what I did was I used AI to forecast what stocks were going to do. And then I built a, a tool that could help you figure out which stocks to invest in. And it worked. And, but, and I was like, of course, people are going to buy this, right? It's going to make more money. What did I find without doing without doing any market research? I spent you know a year and a half building this thing. When I when I went out to market this thing and sell it, what did I find? Well, I find that most people don't want to manage their own investments. So if you're an individual investor, there's only about percent of people who actually care about this. They don't want to pay. And then if you're a big company like a bank or a hedge fund, they've got all sorts of regulatory issues. They've got their own process and they're very wary of taking in outs technologies. So all of a sudden, this really interesting technology that I thought had a prop that I was, you know, confident was solving real problem, in fact, was not solving real problem. And so the right way to do it is exactly what you just said, Hernan. Find a problem, test it in the market, see if people are willing to actually pay to solve it, and then go from there. That's what I'm doing but now. Dude, but dude, did you use it? Like, did you did you go into the market oh, yeah. and uh, make a killing? Like, is it still something you're personally using? I absolutely used it. You know, one of the things that I didn't mention was in my first business, the one that we were able to exit successfully, I ended up, we didn't make a lot of money in the start. So I had to pay for like rent and stuff. I live in New York, which is expensive. I had to pay by trading options. And so I was always interested in the market of like, hey, how do you make money on the stock market? Um, so short answer, I used it. I used it a lot because it was doing pretty well. But um, eventually we were able to just sort of move on because we find other more interesting opportunities to generate revenue. And so I don't use it today, but I did use it at a time where I was sort of in need of a tool to help me move forward. So it worked really well uh, while we had it running. Yeah. Options trading is no joke. A lot of data that you got to look at and the human brain can only process so much. So you, you're using some AI machine learning to kind of crunch some of that data. That's a, that's a useful tool in my opinion. Uh, my brother likes to, likes to trade, uh, options all the time and uh, not something I'm, I'm really into, but I'm sure he utilizes as many tools as possible to get the information he needs so he can cover certain spreads and I don't know what, that's not my, my field, but uh, dude, to be able to fund uh, your, your projects, uh, that's, that's some success. I think that that machine learning, uh, that uh, particular program, even though it may not have gone to market was a success. 
I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I certainly learned a lot, man. I learned a lot about technology, obviously, and how to build AI systems and how to productionize them. More importantly, I learned about selling and distribution, man. They always say first-time founders care about product, second-time founders care about distribution. Certainly very true. You have to figure out who your market is, who's going to pay for it, how are you going to sell it. That's almost more important than the product itself. And so I learned in that process of building it, hey, look, I got to focus more on marketing and sales and you know customer success and these sorts of things than I do sometimes on product. That's just one out of probably 5,000 things I learned. But uh, yeah, you're right. It was a good learning opportunity. And it, it did work, which is kind of a nice win. Uh, let me ask you about uh, Locusive. Uh, you're, you're now helping a lot of software companies kind of implement this human interaction with AI and not just in a way where it's like, let me answer your questions, but literally to mine my own data of information and then give a human a response that is valid and useful to get them the answers that they're looking for. Um, and there's a lot of different AI companies out there, a lot of different chatbots that companies could use, but there's a reason why they're coming to you. What is that reason? You know, a lot of what we found, you've probably seen this huge explosion of AI, obviously with ChatGPT and Google just released Gemini yesterday, works extremely well for doing things like looking up information or reasoning, you know, coming up with a blog post. But it, these sort of, these tools sort of fall flat on their face when you ask them something like, hey, how much money did I make yesterday? Or, hey, why is this order not, you know, why is this order delayed? When it comes to understanding your business or your customers' profiles or understanding what's happening inside your, your company, these chatbots or these chat tools, they don't have access to a lot of this information. And it's really hard to give them access. And so one of the things that we're trying to focus on is going sort of beyond what people are doing today, where they're, maybe they're just uploading a PDF and asking questions about the PDF, like fine, but who really cares, right? You're not gonna run your customer support team off that. Your, your chatbot is, or your search tool or whatever it is, it's gonna need to be able to pull information about a customer from their profile. It's gonna need to be able to pull information from your product knowledge base. It's gonna need to be able to pull information from your database. You might need to plug into third-party tools like Salesforce. Uh, and these are the sorts of things that we're focused on, like true productivity uh, gains for a particular business. And so people are coming to us because we're building that system. We're building the ability to pull information from the different systems you have so that your users can get a really great experience. You know, Rather than having to call in or, or email somebody and wait three days now, they might be able to get a response right away or they might be able to get the data they need right away, which makes their lives better and your lives better. Uh, so that's really what we're focused on today. You definitely get to ride the tailwind of, of ChatGBT now and people kind of accepting uh, machine learning and AI as part of something that is necessary for their businesses. But I'm assuming that even though you're coming in with a valuable tool, you're still getting some pushback. You're still getting people asking questions of like, why, how much, what do you, what do, you do that's different? What's the pushback that you feel you're getting from your customers and how are you overcoming that? You know, there's always pushback. Uh, sometimes people are worried about different things. Some companies, especially the bigger companies, are worried about data privacy. So then you have to say, hey, look, like maybe we can build this inside your own cloud or on your own premises rather than using our own. That's going to cost more, but let's talk about that. Sometimes maybe people will say, well, you know, look, we have, uh, we have these systems that people need to work with that just can't be automated. And sometimes they're right. Sometimes our tool won't help, but a lot of times it will. And so what we're finding in the world of at least customer success and customer support is every company is different. Every company's got different processes. Up until ChatGPT and these other AI tools came out, there was 
you really couldn't do anything. Like every company was truly different. One of the cool things though about these chatbots and these AI tools is that they can think reasonably and think rationally. And so even though every company's got different processes, you can use an AI bot to help think through each company's different workflows and think about how can you use the tools that you've built into the chatbot to help one company with their workflow, even though it might be different from another one. So to answer your question, I don't want to ramble. Basically, what we're finding is people are like, hey, my process is really different. Are you sure you're going to be able to do it? Or, hey, I've got my data. I want to make sure you guys can protect it. Or, hey, you know, this might not be the best tool for us because of, uh, you know, we're a really neat company. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. Frequently, we find that talking about the problems they're, they're facing, giving them a quick demo, diving deep into the problems that they want to have solved helps us understand if that actually is a real problem or if it's just a default objection. So sales tactic that I learned is really just dive deeper into the problems and see if you actually can add value in one spot. And if you can, just focus on that spot. And then hopefully you can grow and expand into that company over time. Yeah, a little bit at a time. Just get your foot in the door, solve that problem, build that trust and that relationship, and it'll go from there. Uh, where do you see the vision of your company? With AI changing, so many things happening, where do you see your company going from here? You know, I, if I think about the long-term, like 10 or 20-year vision, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a geek, especially a Star Trek geek. So in Star Trek, they've got this futuristic space show. And on every spaceship, there's a computer that knows exactly what's going on at any given time, can answer any question, can do anything. And I sort of see Locusa building the foundation of that, that all-knowing computer. Like, it's always aware of your business. It knows who your customers are. It knows that, hey, John Doe's got this going on on their account. It knows, hey, your company made X, Y, and Z dollars last year. Hey, this is a problem today. We're sort of building the foundation where AI can plug into all of your data sources and plug into everything that's going on with your company and help you think through how do you how do you make the best decisions going forward? How do you give the best customer success or guess best customer experience? And that's if we're successful, we're basically going to power the Star, you know, the Star Trek ship's computer in 20 years for every business. Man, I want it to be more personal than that. I want you to give me a Jarvis. Like if you can give me Jarvis like an Iron Man, that's what I'm talking about. Plug into my personal life, plug into my business, help me answer some questions set my alarm, set my temperature, like all that cool stuff. Like, I think that's that's uh, that's the direction that a lot of us are, are heading in on, on the enterprise level, for sure, for the business, uh, for your business operations. But eventually, uh, we're getting rid of our phones. We're going to throw on some glasses. We're going to have uh, a free guy live in a, a type world. That interaction needs to be on a personal level. And I hope uh, I hope you you plant the seeds for that, too. What do you think? I, I appreciate that. I will say one of the things I learned is try to stay away from consumer-focused businesses at the start. B2B, it's very under, very clear, hey, here's how you make money. Here's how you prove your value. Here's how you get customers. B2C is crazy, man. Like You should see the types of things that individual consumers want and the types of feedback they give you. And the way I'm kind of thinking about this is, hey, if we can actually build this for business, there is an opportunity for us to focus on customers. There is a way for you to build, for us to build the personal assistant. There is a way for us to get maybe into a smart ring that you wear around that you can always use to answer questions or record what's going on in your life and play it back to you. But I don't want to start there because B2C is a graveyard of businesses. And when you first start, you really want to make sure you understand that value you can add, build a repeatable process, and then grow from there.
Wait, you just need a billion dollar budget and you'd be good, dude. Then you have you take all the all the time you need, all the research you want. No, but I agree, dude. The 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 B2B is definitely cool. You are interacting with the consumer base anyways. You're collecting data and understanding how how the customer interacts, and it's going to be a good way to kind of roll into the the consumer based products later on down the road. I wish you the, the best of luck, man. If people want to find out more about what it is you do, uh maybe get some quotes or more information, how can they do that? Yeah, man, it's been awesome. I very much appreciate uh, the conversation. So folks can find me on our website, which is streaming across the bottom of the screen, locusive, L-O-C-U-S-I-V-E.com. Also, feel free to email me. I'm Shanif at locusive, S-H-A-N-I-F, also shanif.danani at gmail.com, on LinkedIn at Shanif Danani. So feel free to look us up. We are always happy to chat with folks who are interested in this stuff. I'm a bit of a data geek, and so I love talking about it. But if you're interested in implementing this for your business, Feel free to get in touch, and I'm always happy to help. Dude, AI is here, ladies and gentlemen. It's the wave of the future. Maybe not the Matrix, maybe not the Terminator, but it's definitely here to stay. And uh, people like Shanif are definitely making headway. One more time, locusive.com is a website scrolling across the bottom. Shanif, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. Shut It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.